Hello and welcome to the latest Seagulls Weekly Podcast. This week we're joined by Steve Bailey, as always, and Scott McCarthy from We Are Brighton is back. We may have someone else dropping in. We'll find out as and when it happens. Uh, obviously, we'll, <laughs> there's quite a lot to discuss about the Millwall game. I'm not really sure where we should begin with that. So I want me to start with the game as a whole, because I'm guessing your experiences of it were quite different from the press box compared to among the fans. So, Steve, why don't you start? What did you make um, of the game? I think... <laughs> Mill were really up for it and the atmosphere was really intimidating. The fans were all you know, really behind Mill as, as you'd expect for a game like that. Um, and they started really quickly, first 10-15 minutes. And I think Brighton did well to come out of that like opening 20 minutes at still 0-0. And then they, they started to get a bit more into the game. Um, you know, Kyle probably had the best of the chances with a couple that were both saved. Um, and I was kind of thinking, you know, nil-nil at half-time wasn't, you know, wasn't the worst result at all. It's, you know, you kind of felt that Brighton would come out stronger in the second half. But then they came out of the dressing room and you looked at the weather, um, like <laughs> sleep, the wind was blowing right in their faces. And it had all the ingredients for a cup upset when, yeah. you, when you looked at everything. And then Mill started to create chances. Ryan made a couple of decent saves. And then, um, you know, the first goal... It probably was a foul on Murray, and you know I'm sure talk about VAR and the potential penalty as well. Um, and then the second goal goes in, and two 0 with two, 10 minutes to go, you you're thinking you know you're looking dead and buried, aren't you? Yeah. But um, you know I think it was a cracking finish by Lucardia to to make it two one. Uh, every time you see it, I think it gets better and better how he turns the the, the defender and rifles it in, and then you know Solly marches goal. It, it was a poor free kick. Um, I mean, if the keeper had caught it, everyone would be shouting and, and yeah. giving him a stick, I, I'd imagine, from the away end. But the goal needs to let it through his hands like that. It's, you know, you, it's almost unforgivable, isn't it? You can't, you can't do that. It, it looked at, from one angle that the ball was almost going wide as well, and he's yeah. kind of pushed it in. It's, you know, for a professional goalie to do that, it's... Yeah, I've seen that happen on my Sunday league pitch, haven't I, yeah, Scott? Yeah, that's, but... <laughs> that's happened to me on at least three occasions this season. Then I'm not a highly paid yeah, professional, no. so I can get away with it, I think. Yeah, um, yeah and then the penalties, it's yeah, it's a bit of a lottery when, mm. when Brian missed the first one. You're again, fearing the worst, but, you know, Ryan, terrific save. Um, and then I thought all the other Brighton penalties were really well taken. And, you know, just hoping that... They were going to miss one when, when Brighton went ahead, you know, I think it was Stevens who put us 4-3 up and then yeah. Morrison scored and then Dunk made it 5-4 and, yeah, when he blazed it over, you, you could see the away end absolutely rocking. Well, Scott, you were in the away end. What was the atmosphere like where, as the game was drifting rapidly away from Brighton I and mean, then swung so dramatically? <laughs> it was pretty sort of poisonous when we went 2-0 mm. down. I mean, a lot of people left, but I think that's to be expected because the second half was just, we were so, so poor. And you think, you know what, you're never going to get a better chance reaching mm. FA Cup semi-final. And here we are losing to a team that, you know, could be playing Fleetwood Town next season. <laughs> so people were, you know, quite rightly aggrieved about that. And it just seemed like, you know, we bottled it. That's what it felt like. Mm. We we do have a, a pretty patchy record when it comes to playing under pressure. You know, when we could have won the, the championship title, mm. we blew that. You just thought, you know, the upsets are all here for a... The, the ingredients are here for a cup upset. And that's why people were leaving. But then... The car just scored and it was just like, oh, it's too little, too late. And then, yeah, like Steve just said, March has thrown one in. Um, keeps out of howl and the place has gone mad. But the most important thing that did was it silenced the den. So I've never heard a home crowd that noisy before. Yeah. 
It was an absolutely incredible atmosphere. And But after extra time, they were silent. You could see they were all out on their feet. They were dead. We just couldn't find a way through. Well, we did, I suppose, but that's another VAR point. And then, yeah, you're down to the lottery of penalties, aren't you? And it's just whoever holds their nerve. And luckily, we did, apart from Murray. Did it, did it feel like once we did equalise somewhat fortuitously, after that, did it feel like there was only going to be one winner? Yeah, I, I, I was surprised we didn't do it in extra time, to be honest. I yeah. didn't think it would go away to penalties because normally when a, you know, a team goes through that sort of upset and the heartache, they just that's it, they're done, aren't they? So Mill did quite well to hold on for penalties, yeah. really. It's a similar story when we played Swindon in the playoffs. You know, as soon as Virgo scored that last-minute goal, I think everyone knew, do you know what, Swindon aren't coming back from this. Um, substitutes, Hewton's change for game, Lucardia and March... Was that the difference between a terrible, terrible disappointment and ju- sheer jubilation? I think so. You know, Solly March came on and he was outstanding, wasn't he? Um, you know, you, you know he's got that performance in him. He's, he's done it a few times, starting and, you know, when he comes off the bench and he just runs the opposition defence, you know, he terrifies him. And you just want to see it a bit more from him. Mm. Um, I think in the Premier League, you know what you're going to get from him. He's a very solid player. But he's got the ability and the skill to do that to Premier League defenders, but you just don't see it quite so often. Um, and yeah, you know, it's a terrific run down the right, which led to Lucardia's goal. Um, maybe a bit of fortune with the equaliser. Um, but, you know, Brighton had to go for it and his squadra came on as well. And again, he probably should have done a lot better with a chance in injury time where he, he tamely shot it at the keeper. But to have the options like that to bring off the bench, I think it shows the strength and depth. Of, that Brian have, especially when you know Knockart and Jan Bashit probably wasn't quite their day. Well, should he should he be starting more Solly March? Because he's he's had a pretty good season. Yeah, I think he's been you know very harshly dropped to be honest. He's first half season he's one of our better players. Yeah. He was creating goals, scoring goals, and it's almost like Hutton said, "Well, do you know what? I've paid 16 million for Jan Bashit. I've got to get him in somehow." <laughs> Sorry, Solly, you're out. But he's just proven again, you know how good he is. Yeah. But I think the subs worked to perfection because. We were always going to come out flying. They're always going to, you know, dominate the first ten minutes because that's what they do, especially in a cup game like that. And then, but to have that pace to bring on when they're yeah. all absolutely shattered, that made a real difference. So, Hutton did get the selection spot on. Yeah. Uh, if you're watching, feel free to let us know what you made of the game. Um, there were a lot of talking points, most of them based around VAR. Uh, there was a Duffy penalty claim. A foul on Murray in the build-up to the goal. Um, Lucardi's effort was ruled out offside when it shouldn't have been. Um, you see, you've done a column this week for us uh, about how ridiculous it is that VAR is in some FA Cup games and not all of them. How angry, frustrated, disappointed would you have felt if if we come out of that game losing with all of these? Decisions that everyone's saying VAR that would have ruled it out. It just makes a mockery of the competition, doesn't it? Like, how can you have two games in the quarter-final stage with the video assistant and two without it? It's not a level playing field, is it? I mean, that and that's the crux of the issue. If the other two games at Premier League grounds hadn't had VAR, no one would care if we went out without it because you'd think, well, it's the same for everyone. But if Man City get like, Man City are through without VAR yeah. and they shouldn't be, we're through. We nearly went out because we didn't have it. And then you look at the United game and the other quarterfinal, and they've both got it. And the FA say, oh, we can't put it in championship grounds, but yeah. that's absolute nonsense. Yeah. Well, Swansea had it last year, because yeah. Yeah. they and, were a Premier League team. And there's 
the Australian A League that has VAR across the board, and mm. their grounds are you know League One, League Two standard. Yeah. All ZF have to do is spend a little bit of money sticking the cameras in the den. Everyone's happy, aren't they? Well, it's not like there aren't enough TV cameras there anyway. Yeah, no, it's exactly. just no. it's just absolute insanity. Well, you almost had a Man City, Millwall semi-final when both teams arguably should have should be out. I know one yeah. of them are now, but Swansea will feel a lot more hard done by yeah. Brian Hart right now because you look at the last two City goals with the penalty where the defender clearly gets the ball and Aguero is quite clearly offside. Um, but what surprised me in the City game was the referee didn't even go and talk to the assistant when he'd given the penalty. Like, I don't know, it's just, it, it was a poor decision, wasn't it? Really poor. Um, and not to not have VAR in two of the games and to have him in two, it's just like, like Scott said, it's just a complete mockery of the competition. Um, Ian is in the comments. He said, that game on Sunday was a complete summary of what it's like to be an Albion fan. Potential misery, hope, ecstasy, misery again, frustration, then absolute uncontrolled joy. That is for Brighton way, isn't it? Doing yeah. it. As... I wrote that on my, my match report is, you know, supporting Brighton crowned into 120 <laughs> minutes on it. And then just when you think, do you know what, this is going to be, this is fantastic. You then get brought down to her because you go and draw Man City. <laughs> uh, Mark Potter's in the comments. He wants to say happy Solly March Day um, and also wants to know what we thought of Lucardia in that game. Obviously, he's, he had a run in the team. He's fallen out of favour again, but it was some finish, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think the trouble with Lucardia is everyone will say, oh, do you know what, he was, he's scoring goals now, you know, he's doing this, this and that. But you look at who he scored his goals against, it's been Millwall, Derby, and his last season against a Swansea team who are a championship team already. So is he still a you know, 40 million pound striker? don't know. And he's got a bit lucky in regards to that because like, he was dropped from the 18 against Huddersfield, wasn't he? He wouldn't have been involved against Palace until Andoni got injured. Yeah. Now he's got a second chance and he's got to take it. Yeah, he said afterwards that he's got to prove Chris Hewitt wrong for not playing him. Um, he, he, you know, he alluded to the form that Knockhart's in. Knockhart's been outstanding in the last few weeks. Um, but yeah, he almost played with a point to prove, didn't he? But you want to see that a bit more Every often. Week, yeah, yeah. Um, he's got, I think, quite a relaxed style, um, and you just want to see him. I think there's something in there. There's a player in there. You just want to see him do it a bit more frequently. Yeah, that was comfortably the yeah. best he's played for us, I think. What about um, Southampton? Yeah, he, he just scored. He scored other goals, but do you think that was? Yeah, that? but like his other goals, a tapping against Swansea and with three nil up or whatever it was. You know, I think it was a tapping against Derby, wasn't it? No yeah. goals. You thought, do you know what, Christ? I'm glad yeah. we paid all this money. There was but, one against Arsenal where. Long ball through and he rounded the keeper. Yeah. Took that well. But like that was actually a, a really really good goal. Yeah. But then like I said, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt because it's against a team that's 20th in the championship. Yeah. He's got to do it in the Premier League. Um, Brett Mendoza says, "Who are you wearing today?" I think he's a fan of yours, Jumper. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I have to ask my friend Joe. <laughs> um, the red card. <laughs> Stoppy top. What was Shane Ferguson thinking? What was he trying to do? I don't know. It was just stupid, wasn't it? Um. No idea what he was doing, and the worst thing from Mill's point of view was he was going to be one of the penalty takers. Well, he's their main, he's, yeah. their, he's their best penalty taker. So it was absolutely crazy. Um, he lost his head in the moment, and but what was there 60 seconds to go with that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, absolutely stupid, stupidity, and you know, it cost him. You don't know who wouldn't have taken the Mill penalty if he was. Would it have been Romeo who missed? I don't know. Um, but you know, you think that maybe. Ferguson would have taken it over hmm. Romeo, who was a right back. Yeah. And then if he scores, Brighton are out. So, you know, it's 
Another maybe yeah. a bit of fine margins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, when Murray missed, did you fear the worst, or did you think we've got Matty Ryan? <laughs> I always thought Ryan would save at least one, but and I don't think it's that bad to miss the first penalty you take. Yeah. It's if you miss sort of three or four, and then the pressure's really on. You've got someone like Lewis Dunk coming yeah. forward. He's probably never taken a penalty yeah. in his life. If, if you've missed four penalties, you're probably already out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you, and the thing was the Murray penalty. I don't think it was that bad a penalty. Is you know, if it's an inch lower, it's in, mm. isn't it? It's yeah. not like he's blazed into the upper tier or put it straight at the goalkeeper. It's just one of those things. Yeah. Um, Kenny Tinian has taken issue with something you said about Lacardia, talking about how most of what he's done has been tappings. So Glenn Murray has scored many tappings. Surely that's a sign of a good striker being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, Glenn Murray's got how many goals for Brighton? Lacardia's <laughs> got nothing. It's not comparable. Fair enough. Um, Ian, talking about the red card, said, horrendous challenge. It got a bit lost in the general excitement. If it happened in another stage of the game, the media would have been all over it. Terrible. Um, the Yeah, Steve, what, did you think after Murray missed that Matty Ryan would stand tall? Or? Yeah, you have confidence in Ryan and goal, don't you? Because, you know, he saved two penalties last season against Rooney and Adam. You saw what he did for Australia in the Asian Cup. And you always have that bit of confidence in him. He's, he's a goalie who... You don't worry about if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, like I've watched Brighton over the years, and there have been some <laughs> players in goal who you think there's that there's going to be a howler in them at some stage today. But Ryan, you know, I think he has confidence. The defence has full confidence in him, and you just felt that he would save one of the five um, during the during the shootout. Yeah. I think that's where the team selection was spot on again, because with Button in goal or say Steele or whoever, I wouldn't have felt confident, mm-hmm. but. And like Steve's already said, Ryan pulled off two or three fantastic saves in the game to keep yeah. us in it anyway. Actually, that's the point. Were you surprised that we went basically full strength? The only change was because Basuma was suspended. It was Other than that, it was basically unchanged from the Palace game. Were you surprised? Or, or... A little. I thought I didn't think it would be, it'd be quite so strong. I thought maybe Busson would yeah. play Bruno, possibly. Um, but, you know, it shows how seriously Brighton's taking the competition because you're not going to have a better chance to get to Wembley than yeah. playing Millwall away really in, in the court finals of the competition. So it was a little bit of a surprise and it almost backfired a little bit, wasn't it? We were <laughs> 10 minutes to go where you think we've played our best team and, and we're going out, yeah. but you know it ended up working out all right. Um, looking at the FA Cup in more existential terms, as it were, what does it mean to for Brighton to have got to this stage now, the semi-final, going to Wembley, from where we've come. It's massive, isn't it? It's absolutely crazy. When you think, when we played Millwall, what, 10 years ago in a cup game at the Den, there were 3,000 people there and went to penalties then, and, you know, Kerry Mayo scoring the winner, and we're saying, oh, well, you'll be here in 12 years' time yeah. going to an FA Cup semi-final. It's mad. It just shows that, you know, we've had quite a bit of luck with the draw, I think. We've had some decent home ties. You know, we, we haven't really faced anyone that you think should be knocking us out. So, <laughs> well, that's coming up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've saved that for the best team left. But yeah, I mean, you need a bit of luck. They don't need to get that far. And it'll just be a fantastic day out. Yeah, is it a sign of like almost Bloom's investment paying off, the hard work that Dick Knight did as well? Do you think it's like almost like a payoff, as it were, for all of that? I think so, yeah. You look at how far Brighton have come you know, over the last few years, especially since they've moved to the Amex, and it, it's been phenom- phenomenal, really, considering it was just over 20 years ago where the Goldstone's been sold and no home ground, and you've got 
the 12 years at with Dean and yeah. obviously two years at Gillingham before that. So I think, you know, you looked at the draw and you think you disappointed at City, but I think you go into it with a free hit. It's no pressure on Brighton and the fans can go there, 33,000, and enjoy the day out for what it is. And, you know, if Brighton can cause an upset, what a day that will be. But, you know, City can turn over anyone in the world on their day, yeah. like 3 4 5 nil. And if they beat Brighton, then I think it will still be a great day out and it will be a day that fans will look back on in years to come as like a real great moment in the club's history, whatever happens. Um, whereas, had we drawn Watford or Wolves, then, and you lose, you kind of think, like, there's a lot more disappointment, isn't there? Because you think yeah, yeah. that was a real, real opportunity to get to a cup final. Um, but when you've got City, it's like, well... Yeah, if it's, you, and if you think, sort of, City win the quadruple this yeah. year, and you can say, oh, well, we were there when they basically put themselves in the final. Yeah. It's a lot better than losing to yeah. Palace yeah. anyway, isn't it? Um, Ian said it helps to validate our place at the top table of English football. I think mm. that's probably fair. Um, obviously, if, if we're going to win the FA Cup this season, which is obviously our aim... Um, we would probably have to play City in either the semi or the final. Yeah. Bear in mind it's in the middle of a run of fixtures. They've got Cardiff a couple of days before. They've got the Champions League against Tottenham a couple of days later. Is it better to play them in the semi-final rather than the final when they've got nothing else except potentially a Champions League final ahead of them? I'd say we've got more chance of beating them in a the semi-final, but then <laughs> that doesn't really mean much, does it? There's not much chance of it happening anyway. Yeah, I think... Yeah, probably better to play them in the semi-final than the final because they, they might rotate a couple of players. You might have Jesus instead of Aguero. <laughs> we might have De Bruyne maybe coming back from injury and yeah, playing. Just Mahrez, £50 yeah, million exactly, pound player starting. Else. So whatever side they put out, it's going to be world-class. Um, you, know, you look at the game up at the SU at the end of last season where you know City pretty much put out you know half first team, half second team and they won 3-1 against Brighton and it was relatively comfortable mm. and but then they brought in Danilo that day who is probably is a pretty decent <laughs> yeah. backup fullback as well isn't he do you did you obviously we've said Swansea deserved to go through mm. do you take a bit of optimism from Swansea who are in the division below Brighton almost knocking City out do you do you look at that and think well hang on we're better than Swansea on paper we've got a better chance of knocking them out I'd hope Hewton looks at the way Swansea plays and takes it as a blueprint. You know, just think, just go at them. What have we got to lose? It's not like there's league points on the line, is it? And it's not like goal difference matters. Just go and have a go. If we lose 6-0, we lose 6-0. But I'd rather lose 6-0 than, you know, sit back, lose 2-0 and don't do anything. Do you think he will? No. <laughs> there's a lot of difference between I want and what's going to happen, Sam. <laughs> Steve, what do you think? Do you think the Swansea game is a template? or? I think so. I think you've got to go and push them back a little bit haven't you you've mm. got to try and give it a go because we saw what happened up there earlier in the season where Brighton lost 2-0 and apart from the first five minutes where I think Brighton had a couple of corners I can't actually remember any shots or chances mm. of no off the top of my head so you know that was a real comfortable 2-0 win for City at their place and it was one of those games where you almost felt Brighton were content to lose it 2-0 just because of the, the goal difference yeah. and you've seen what City do to other teams at home um, well, goal difference isn't an issue here. No, it's not. So you, I think you've got to, you've got to go for it to a certain degree, but you can't have five players caught up the pitch, and then City are going to break and Sane's going to cross it and Sterling's going to tap it in at the back post yeah. or something like that. So, yes, I think you've got to go for it to a degree, but 
with a little bit of caution as well because yeah. if you go completely gung ho, you know, yeah. you could get completely torn apart. Uh, Ian says the semi final was an absolute free hit, but Chris Hutton will never go full gung ho. Um, Jay Blunden is watching. Hello, Jay. He wants to know who is your favourite team player? For him, it's Knockout on March. Like, obviously, Brighton system is built mm-hmm. around the idea of the collective, no real like star players in inverted mm-hmm. commas. So yeah, who um, who are your I would favorite? say Dale Stevens is probably the best example of a team player I can think of. I know he gets a lot, or not a lot, but some <laughs> stick from a certain section of the Albion fans for the way he plays. But you look at how he controls the game, and it's key to a lot yeah. of the way Brighton play, which are keeping the ball, getting it out wide, spreading plays, short passes, long passes. And I think he's a real valued member of the squad that a lot of the players appreciate probably more than what the fans do. Um, yeah, I would, I would pick Stevens for as probably the most valuable in terms of how Brighton play in this 4-3-3 stroke, 4-5-1 at the moment. Yeah, Scott? I would. I was going to say Stevens as well because he's just he's like a water carrier, isn't he? Yeah. He does. He doesn't do anything glamorous, but without him, it sort of falls apart. But just to be different, I'll go for Glenn Murray as well, because he's obviously the only man who gets goals. He's a talented man, but when he was first at the club, you know, people used to call him the League One Berbatov because they everyone <laughs> thought he was moody and he just strutted around. But now he's just since he's been away, he's just developed this sort of this aura of class. And I don't know if you heard him speaking on Five Live the other day, but. Yeah. It's, Brilliant interview, and you know, everyone's off celebrating. He's just there saying unlucky to the Mill mm. players. He's just he's a class act, and we're really lucky to have him. I think. Yeah, uh, Ian says Dale Stevens for him, untung hero doing his work in the background. Uh, I think his legs are going a bit, but I'd say Bruno is mm-hmm. one for me because yeah. whenever he plays, everyone around him, whether it's the centre halves or wingers, they seem to be a little bit sharper, a little bit more switched on. I think that's no coincidence. Yeah. That's all of his experience. Um, Looking at the other FA Cup games, do you consider the Wolves winning against United an upset or not? <laughs> not to a degree, yes, because they've just come up from the Championship. But you look at the players who they had in, in the Championship; it was a, you know, it was an outstanding team, and they've carried it on this season by bringing in Jimenez, who's been outstanding from them up top. Um, I wasn't overly surprised that United lost the game, but I think. Because of the stature of the two clubs, you'd probably say it is still a little bit of an upset. Yeah. And in the other game, obviously, Crystal Palace got knocked out. Bear in mind, obviously, we we didn't draw the winner of that game. But were you quite slightly relieved oh, that yeah. they got knocked out? Without a doubt, because there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that we would have lost them in the semi-final. <laughs> like, we've done the lead double over them. We'll probably finish above them. But it would just be typical Palace when to go and beat us, knock us out the FA Cup, so they have that over us anyway. Um... There were also Premier League games on the weekend. Uh, obviously, Burnley, despite playing against 10 men for pretty much a whole game, four minutes in, Harry Maguire gets sent off. They lost 2-1 at home to Leicester. Uh, Newcastle and Bournemouth drew. Huddersfield were 3-1 up and lost 4-3 against West Ham. Uh, Fulham lost to Liverpool. It's quite a good weekend overall, really, for Brighton, wasn't it? Yeah, really good. I think the only two that you're really looking at with the Newcastle and the Burnley results, I think Huddersfield and Fulham are, are gone. There's no way either are going to stay up. But, yeah, Burnley losing. Like When you see Maguire getting sent off after four minutes, you, you just assume that Burnley are going to go on and win the game. And, it, yeah. you know, it's a free, free points for them. But 
you know, it's not easy playing 10 men in Leicester, is it? As we found out <laughs> at home earlier in the season. Um, you know, Leicester could have arguably won that game at the Amex as well against yeah. us. They finished that really strong. Um, but yeah, for Burnley to lose that, that will, you, you wonder what it will take out of them. Um, just mentally. Though. Yeah, just going into an interna- international break as well, where you've got two weeks thinking, mm. you know, we've lost to 10 men playing them for 90-odd minutes. Um, and in Newcastle result, yeah, it would have been better if Bournemouth had won that. But... I don't think Newcastle are going to go down anyway. So, yeah. are you more confident going into the next couple of home games? Like, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's done yet. I don't think no. I think it's far from done because everyone. I know we've had two, you know, two good league results, mm-hmm. but Huddersfield are currently the worst team in the league, so we should be beating them. And I always think that you can sort of take what happens in a derby with a pinch of salt because you know form goes out the window. People up for the game like they normally wouldn't be. So. We need to beat Southampton, then I'll be saying, yeah, we're staying up. And we've got to hope that the cup thing doesn't prove a distraction because there's still some big games to play. You know, Cardiff to come at home. If they won that, I mean, that is the definition of a six-pointer yeah. at the minute. Well, do you think we will effectively be safe by the time we get to play Man City? It's difficult to know, isn't it? Because, like, like I just said, you know, we've only beaten Huddersfield in a Palace in a derby. If we go and beat Southampton, then yeah, it's done, isn't it? That's it, I think. But are we going to do that? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Steve, what do you think? Do I you think, yeah, win against Southampton, it's near enough there. And then obviously you've got Chelsea before the semi-final as well, which, you know, three days beforehand, do you rest a few players in looking at the, the cup semi in mind? Maybe. Um, but yeah, I think Southampton's a big one, isn't it? If you win Southampton, then it gives more options for the Chelsea game. Um because then you can maybe rest five, five, four, five, six players and then focus on City. Yeah. I'd have said earlier in the season, go to Chelsea and play full strength because mm. of the form they're in, but now yeah. you think it's just for the cup final. Yeah. Is it really worth it? Yeah. It's an expendable three points. Yeah. No one expects us to get anything there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ian says Burnley losing was huge and he would have hated to have drawn Palace in the semi-final. I think most Brighton fans would expect the worst in, in that scenario. Um, Justin Parker is watching. Hello, Justin. He says, do you think we will see a drop in performance from players trying to focus too much on the cup game and not wanting to get injured? I think with Chelsea a few days before, that will be in players' minds. Do you think it will affect them? Um, I don't think so, because you know what Chris Hughes <laughs> like. If a player's performance drops in against Southampton or Chelsea, he's not playing against Manchester City anyway. Yeah. So I think, I think the next two games you'll see every player going out with a point to prove, oh, the player at Wembley, oh, no, play against Man City in the semi-final. And I don't think performance levels will drop. I think, you know, the Southampton game, all the players were speaking after the, the Mill game about the importance of it and how crucial it is to the season. I think Tony Bloom spoke to BBC Sussex as well, saying that how important it is that if Brighton win, you know, the Premier League is almost, you know, done for another season. So I don't think so. I don't think you can play like that, can you? If you, if you go out and you try and protect yourself for a semi-final, it's... No, it's not the right right way to go about it. I think they've no. got to go out, give it a all. If they pick up an injury, they pick up an injury. It's it's one of those things that, at the top level of sport. Yeah, I think it's sort of it's the it's that again comes down to the way that fans and players use mm-hmm. things differently, isn't it? Because if I was playing for Brighton and, and we had an FA Cup semi final kind of, I'd probably be like, Do you know, I'm I'm not injured for this. But they don't they don't care as much as we do mm-hmm. about winning the FA Cup. I mean, their job is to be a professional footballer, yeah. isn't it? To be a Premier League footballer, so that's going to be their aim and it's the club's overriding aim which yeah. as we've seen is why we've played sort of weakened teams so far yeah. in the cup. Yeah. Well, Dale Stevens said last week that he was asked what would you rather stay in the Premier League 
or or win the FA Cup. And he, he was like, I've played all my career to play in the Premier League. And he said, I'd rather play in the Premier League for the next three, four, five years than win the FA Cup, which is a one-off game. Yeah. And then I think some of the next question for him was, oh, James MacArthur won the FA Cup for Wigan. And he said that was the best moment in his career and he wouldn't change it for anything. But he moved as soon as Wigan won the FA Cup, didn't he, to stay in the Premier League. Yeah. So it's... I, I get what the play, what, what, why Stephen says it. Like, uh, if you're a professional footballer, you want to play at the top level week in, week out, don't you? you, you do, an FA Cup win would be amazing, but if you win the FA Cup and get relegated and you're the championship <laughs> football for the rest of your career, it's yeah. not, not quite the same. Well, that, that exact question pretty much was put to Glenn Murray as well on TalkSport, and he said the same thing as Stephen's. He said, mm. for the club, it's way more important yeah. to be in the Premier League every year then have one day of success in the cup and then be stuck in the championship where so many teams are. Yeah. Obviously, it's different for fans. But, I mean, we keep having this mm-hmm. debate every round because we've rolled through the FA Cup. We we keep going, but we have hit... We are coming up to a point where it's a bit of a brick wall. Uh, Leon Wilson, no relation, says, do you think we have the ability to beat City? Um, and also Lee Walker says, do you think we should start Glenn and Florian together up front against City? So we might as well tackle those together. Uh, do you think so we have the ability? Would, would you change the shape? Well, you look at who City have lost to this season. They've lost to Newcastle away, Palace at home. So Brighton have beaten both Newcastle and Palace. So you say, do they have the ability? Yes, they, they've got the players who can cause City problems. But City had an off day against Palace and an off day against Newcastle. So... For Brighton to beat City, you do need them to have a bit of an off day. You, you can't have if Aguero, Sterling, Sane all click, you're in you're in trouble mm. because of the quality of the group. Um, so do Brighton could Brighton beat them? Yes, they could, but they'd have to have a bit of luck, things go in their favour, you know, VAR if it comes in, etc. Yeah. etc. Et yeah, if we've got VAR, we're yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah. Um Murray and Andoni together against City? No. Uh, it's as much as you want to see Brighton go for it, I think. That would be too much of a risk. You've got to. It's not four four two. It's not something Houston's really done in the Premier League. So yeah. I think you've got to stick to the formation that we're playing now. And that would mean one one or the other. I would imagine it's probably more likely to be Murray. But if you want to go for City a bit more with a bit more pace, then you've got the option of Andoni. Yeah. Well, I mean, go for two up front for the first time this season. That would be us going for it. <laughs> yeah, but, it would. Um, but, I wouldn't do it either. But. <laughs> I think Hugh's got a huge decision to make because, like Steve just alluded to, if if you want to go and attack City, you can't do it with Glenn Murray really yeah. because he's you know he slows things as good as he is. He slows things down. He's a hold-up player. He's not gonna you know make those runs into the box yeah. which you need against to get through a City defence. But then again, if you don't start him, how on earth do you bring him on? Because mm-hmm. if you're chasing the game, you then don't want the same problem yeah. thrown mm-hmm. on a bloke with no pace. So it's almost better for that very reason. You could argue that you do start him. Mm-hmm. So then for the last half hour, Andoni comes on against a defence that has been playing for an hour. Yeah. It's like what Eddie Jones calls his finishes, isn't it? He always has like a really strong bench and he knows if the game's not done at 60 minutes, he then turns to his bench and they come on and finish it. But <laughs> how do you finish against City? Maybe Andoni is a better option. Um, it's international break coming up now. Um, so you go to a lot of England games, home and away. Were you surprised, disappointed not to see Duncan in the England setup, or were you expecting it this time around? I think it's very. There's not much in it between him and um, the, the Burnley guy, is there? Toch, or how do you say his name? Tarkovsky. Tarkovsky. But 
obviously Burnley have been in a better form since the last international break yeah. than we have, and I think that's the only reason he's ahead of him at the minute. Yeah, I think Tarkovsky's maybe just played under Southgate a little bit more, a few more games, a few more um, age group appearances as well than what Dunk has managed. And I think he can rightly feel disappointed not yeah. to be in. But there's a lot of good centre-halves in England at the moment. And I'm sure we'll get another call-up um, at some stage. He, I spoke Next to time he's an injury. <laughs> yeah, I spoke to him about it on Sunday. And he said he's, he, all he can do is focus on his game. Um play as well as he can for Brighton and then you know hope to get in the next one so I don't think it's the worst squad to miss out on either because I've been, it's two competitive games yeah. I know it's against two not very good teams but you need six points so yeah. it's not like he would have been starting I wouldn't have thought no do you, are you do you like the look of the England squad obviously Declan Rice Ireland's young player of the year has called in uh, uh, Hudson Adoy has been brought in after injury yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you look at it and it's a strong team isn't it it's an exciting team you know, we keep saying, oh, oh, he's running out of youngsters to call up, but then but in between each international break, another one seems to turn up from nowhere and gets a, the opportunity. It's a good time to be an England fan, yeah. Yeah. Um, Lee Walker-Smith saying, don't forget Lucardio, he was class on Sunday. Um, I think, yeah, he, as we've said, it was a great finish. Um, we are about to do our predictions. I have put in the comments the list of fixtures that we're going to be doing because it is international break. Uh, we will start with England um, at home against the Czech Republic on Friday night, mm-hmm. I think it is. Is it Friday? Yeah. yeah. Friday. Um, Steve, why don't you start us off where um, you see this going? I don't see England having too many problems with this. I'm, I'm going to say 3-0 win. Scott? Yeah, 3-0 as well. Are you up at Wembley for this? I'll or? be there, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've also gone 3-0. We're all pretty confident it's going to be a routine <laughs> victory. Mark Dunford, not quite as confident. He's saying 2-1 to England. Anyone else feel free to get involved with your predictions. Uh, Ireland next, away to Gibraltar. Scott, do you want to start that one off? Um, yeah, I'd quite Are you like... tempted to say <laughs> upset? Or... Yeah, I'd quite like to, but it's Mick McCarthy's first game, isn't it? So they might have like a new manager bounce. You can't really not not win away in Gibraltar, can you? We'll Sorry. go for a 1 0, squeaky 1 0. <laughs> Who's your score? Um, Duffy, actually, yeah. yeah. Dodgy, dodgy corner that shouldn't be a corner. <laughs> he commits a foul and they get lucky. Guys. Is there VAR in Gibraltar Stadium? I'm not sure. I don't think they even play in Gibraltar, do they? Well, yeah. Steve, what uh, do you think? Yeah, I don't think there's going to be too many problems for Ireland. I'd go 3 0. Uh, Mark says 4 1 to Ireland. I'm not sure they've got that many goals in them, so I'll say 2 0 to Ireland. Uh, next up, Belgium against Russia. Russia, obviously, they were the host nation in the World Cup, but they were somewhat surprising in how well they did but yeah do you think they've got enough to cause Belgian problems I think they, they could cause Belgian problems but and I think it'll be a bit tighter than maybe what you'd expect so I'm going to go for 2-1 to Belgium Scott um, I think 2-0 Belgium I think Russia did well in the World Cup but you know host nations always do don't they look at South Korea making the mm. semi-final there's a lot to be said for home advantage yeah. especially in a country like I was out in Russia and the whole nation's behind them, you know, they're all passionate about it. So I'd love to have played them because I think it would have been an atmosphere even better than the Den. <laughs> but they won't have that sort of support in Belgium and it will make it a little bit more difficult for them. Uh, I'm going to say 2-0 to Belgium, I think relatively routine. Uh, Rick Gonzalez is back. Uh, welcome back, Rick. He thinks Ireland will spank Gibraltar 5-0. Uh, Trevor Edmonds says 5-0, though it's not clarified which game. I'm not so sure if he's saying Gibraltar will win 5-0 or Belgium. Uh, Mark Dunford says 3-1 to Belgium. The next one's 
we always have a a fire rubber mm-hmm. in quotes. Uh, the Netherlands against Germany. Like obviously, David Proper's in the squad. Mm-hmm. Whether he'll play, we don't know. But uh, Scott, do you want to start us off on this one? Yeah, it's difficult to know, isn't it? Because Yogi Lowe's obviously jettisoned quite a few experienced yeah. players like Boateng's gone, Müller's gone, so sort of a, a new look Germany. And they've always got young players coming through, but I think they're stuck in a bit of a rut at the minute. And obviously the Netherlands are on a high, yeah. they're in the yeah, Nations League final and stuff. And they beat Germany last time, which is quite a surprise, because they got a terrible record against them. So, yeah, I can see Netherlands winning that. 2-1, I reckon. 2-1. Steve? I'm going for 2-2, just because... You expect Germany to start improving after they had an awful World Cup, and you know what you like when you write them off, they just come back stronger. So yeah, I'm going to go to all. Uh, Mark Dunfield says three two to the Netherlands, high scoring game. I'm going to go with one all. I think Germany will have a bit of bounce, but they are in something of a transition at the moment it seems. Uh, and then finally, the other England game away to Montenegro. I will start with that. I'm going to say two nil again. Scott. Yeah, I think it's quite a difficult place to go. And I know we had a great World Cup, but we're never that great in qualifiers <laughs> away from home against teams like that. So I think we'll scrape it 2 1. I'm a bit more optimistic. I'm going 4 0. 4 0. Mark Dunford says it will be 3 0 to England. Um, so yeah, that pretty much draws our podcast to a close this week. Thank you for watching. We've got the Seagulls Weekly Special in the Worthing Herald every week. It's it's there once again. Um, obviously, no Brighton game coming up. Now it's international break. But any breaking news to do with the album will be on brightonhoveindependent.co.uk as per usual. Um, so, yeah, we will be back next week to, to talk about international football and presumably anything that's happening in the world of Brighton. So until then, thank you very much for watching and for all of your comments. Goodbye.